0: It is wonderful, so wonderful to be here today. We were um, so honored to uh, get the invitation to come and speak uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night for Pentecost Sunday. No easier Sunday to preach the word, right? And it's just good to be here with you all. And it is good to see familiar faces, uh, to speak in a familiar building, and uh, so looking forward to it. We were just down in uh, uh, Leesville which is basically there by Fort Polk, Louisiana, for any one of you fellows, women that uh, served, you got to go down there and do your basic training. And we did revival services down there a couple of weeks ago, and boy, what a time that was in that, in that uh, church. So we're just excited to be with you today. Um, you uh, mentioned Glenville. I think here in is it July 17th. Is that the right date? I can't mess up. We got married in that church 30 years ago. So... Uh, That's a good church to bless. It's kept us together, huh? (laughs) All right. Oh, but I'm excited to be with you. And today we just want to, uh, throughout this day, pursue God and uh, ask His Holy Spirit to fall on us and and fire us up. We've heard the passage many times this morning. We're going to read it again. I don't think we can read it enough. And so turn with me to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to skip around there through some verses of Scripture this morning. Acts chapter 2, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all believers were meeting together in one place, and suddenly there was a sound from heaven like a roaring and mighty windstorm, rushing wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. And then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages, other tongues, and as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. And at that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. And when they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. And they were completely amazed. How can this be? They exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Now jump to verse 12. It says, they stood there amazed and perplexed, what can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. And then Peter, he stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you. Fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, make no mistake about this, these people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. Now what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And it says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And in those days, I will pour out my spirit on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And then let's go to verse 37. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And then you will see the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. And then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all listeners save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Praise God. Praise God. Something special happened on that day. No secret, 50 days after the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. Pentecost is both an event and an experience. Pentecost is an event that's been celebrated for centuries. We, we saw that great PowerPoint video displaying that. Pentecost is an experience that I believe with, without a shadow of a doubt, I know it deep down in my heart and in the marrow of my bones that the Lord desires to take place in every single believer's life that knows Jesus Christ is Lord. It's an experience. Pentecost, that birthday of the church. Thank God for, for a powerhouse church that God planted in this world. Pentecost, the dividing line of the ministry of Jesus and the ministry of the Holy Ghost. I, I, I'm sorry, uh, you know, I, the Holy Spirit kind of seems kind of religious. I say Holy Ghost. Sometimes the Holy Ghost will scare the hell out of people. Pastor Josh and Holy Ghost. And I, I saw, I heard some preacher here a while back saying we should we shouldn't say the Holy Ghost. That scares people. Holy Ghost came down on that day. The ministry of the Holy Ghost began to take place. Pentecost, just to lay a little foundation. Not much, but it's got many names. It's got many references in the Bible called the Feast of Weeks, the the Feast of Harvest, the the latter first fruits. You hear it referred to in a lot of different ways. But it's, it's traditionally a joyous time where the people, they gave thanks and they presented offerings for the new grain of the summer, the wheat harvest in Israel. And that name, Feast of Weeks, it was given because of what God had commanded to the Jews in Leviticus 23, verse 15 and 16, which, which occurred 50 days, seven weeks after Passover. Pentecost, that initial harvest feast, seven straight days of, of joy and thanksgiving where the Jews offered up those first fruits to the Lord, the, the new grain. And all the other rituals that they did, that that they celebrated before the Lord, taking those two loaves of of the wheat bread and made of leaven, and they waved them before the Lord. Celebration wasn't uncommon to those people. Not uncommon at all. We don't want the celebration to ever become uncommon to us the day of Pentecost. God's people, they, they had a rhythm about them. Not a regulation. No, no, nothing religious, but, but a rhythm. Some people's got a rhythm to them. We, we have a rhythm in the things of God, amen? If not, you should. A rhythm in how we pray, a rhythm in how we worship, a, a rhythm in how we evangelize and minister to people. It was a week that was looked forward to. It was a week that was anticipated. I believe that Pentecost is ever a bit as important today and should be celebrated by the church today as any time in the centuries that we know it in this world. It's a significant day, and it it causes my heart to run over with joy to come into the church and hear the songs and, 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 and hear the excitement and the focus on Pentecost. It pains my heart to think churches today that won't even mention the word Pentecost in their morning service. I think of the church culture and how we celebrate Christmas, the the birth of our Savior. It's just a natural holiday. We we celebrate Good Friday, the the suffering and the crucifixion of our Savior. We make a point to celebrate that. Easter comes and we put on our Sunday best and take our pictures and we celebrate the resurrection of of our Savior up from the gravy of rose, kicked the tomb and uh, you know, the, the end out of the tomb, and beat the pallbearers back to the house, and things began to happen. We celebrate that, and it excites me to come in here and see a group of people that realize this is not just another Sunday celebration. This is not just another day marked on a calendar. This is a special day that we have anticipated, that we have prepared for, that we are celebrating. Pentecost. The day that the Holy Ghost was poured out on all flesh and available to all flesh. Hallelujah. Praise Him for that this morning. Pentecost that that changed my life has, has changed many of your lives. The event didn't happen. Think about it. Think how tragic it would be if the Holy Spirit had not been poured out. I'm not bragging. I'm I'm not trying to to boast in any way, but we'd be no different than anybody else. Hallelujah, I'm glad I'm different. I'm glad many of you are different. I'm glad that this church is marked by an impression of something that is much, much different. If, if If Pentecost and the Holy Ghost hadn't been poured out, we would just be another religious institution that is alive in this day. But it didn't happen. That, 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 that didn't happen. Therefore, the Holy Ghost did come down. Therefore, we are endued, if we've received it, with power and with authority. And we have been equipped to do the work of the ministry that Jesus has put us on this worth to do. And I believe the generation of this day needs to understand and needs to experience the power of Pentecost. I'll share with you here in a little bit my my testimony of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I had no clue, nor did I understand what Pentecost was. It came in reverse order for me, but I definitely experienced it. This generation needs it. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be witnesses telling People about me everywhere, everywhere in Jerusalem through Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I like the scripture in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, that says, I have given you authority. And I want to focus on that. I have given you authority. When we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, we have power, we have authority, we have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. And it is a great blessing that God has poured out on us. I think of what what, what, what is said in the word, freely we have received from the Lord. Freely we must give. Freely we must disperse. Freely, every single day of our lives, we should be dispersing through the look in our eyes, through the attitudes in our spirit, through the love that we show The power of Pentecost truly should be radiating out of us. And when I was down in Leesville, it hit me on the platform. I said, if the Holy Ghost was was as real in us as we say it is, if we were not like the church in Revelations that gave the appearance of being live, but on the inside is dead, we would see the front page plastered with news of what's going on in the church. They would be saying, today, in Galena, at the Casey store, brother such-and-such walked in to get a soda, and sister such-and-such, behind the counter, as she began to reach out and take his few-dollar bill, fell under the power of God, and began to shake and said, I need to be saved. And brother such-and-such led her to the Lord, and she was baptized under the power of the Holy Ghost. That's what happened when the Holy Ghost fell on that church. It swept through that area, through that community, through people. We know it says they were being added daily in the faith. That's what should be happening in our world today. If we got it, if it's deep within us, we would see that kind of manifestation of God everywhere we go. We are to be... Commanders of what God has endued us and equipped us with. Not beggars. Not beggars. God equipped us and endued us with power and authority to be commanders. We should be wet water walkers like Peter was. We should be able to to step out of the boat and move into the things that God has declared for us to move into. Not beggars. Oh, God, would you? Oh, God, could you? Oh, God, if it, if it be your will, it is his will, and he can, and he did. And it's time. time to be released. Released. The Pentecostal blessing. Released in us and released in this world, this generation. And there may be people in here not of this generation. They need to understand that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is for everyone. Everyone. It's not a denominational thing. It's for everyone. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. Peter said unto them, Repent, be baptized every single one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children. And to to all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call. This generation needs to understand that speaking, praying, worshiping in tongues is for everyone. And we need to seek it and pursue it. Mark 16, 17, and 18, what's it say? These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. It says they'll cast out devils. It says, they will speak with new tongues. And that's the focus of this day. They will speak with new tongues. Everybody has holy Bibles. In our culture, they're truly holy. Especially in the book of Acts, because they've gone and marked it out. They've gone and they've cut it out. That's not the type of holy Bible I want to have. That's not the type of Holy Bible you should have. If you look at Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, I, this scripture is important to me. And it's, it's a passage where John the Baptist, he is addressing some folks here, and he says, I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. He says, but someone is coming soon who's greater than I am. So much greater than I'm not even worthy to be a slave or carry his sandals. And look what John the Baptist says. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. I've said it before, and I'll share it in a minute. When I got baptized with the Holy Ghost, I didn't just get baptized with the Spirit. I got baptized with fire, and it changed me. For the rest of my life, it impacted me. And that's what should be happening to us in this generation around us. Now, if you will, turn with me to to Acts chapter 10. I've I've got to read a story here. Because Joel's prophecy that we read about there in Acts chapter 2, from Joel chapter 2, is is poured out here. It's poured out on all flesh. We see it here at Cornelius' house. Falling on the Gentiles. So if you will, beginning in Acts chapter 10, verse 34, follow through with me. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism in every nation. He accepts those who fear Him and do what is right. This is the message of the good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ who is Lord of all. You know what happened through Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear. Not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. And look what happens. Even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. The Holy Spirit fell on all who were listening to the message. I I like that part. It says that... The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gifts of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he gave orders for them to baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ. And afterwards, Cornelius asked him to stay for several days. It's an important story. It's very clear of a separation of baptism in water and a baptism in the Holy Ghost. It, it's very clear that it was God's intention for the Holy Spirit to be poured out on all flesh. But one of the things that I want to focus on this morning is that piece that says the Holy Spirit fell. The Holy Spirit fell. It, it, it it's, it's captured my attention uh, for years and what I want to focus on this morning. They were listening to the message. They were listening to the Word of God. I like the scripture in Mark chapter 16 verse 20 that that talks about how the Lord was working with the disciples and confirmed the word with signs following. Why is that important? Because I tell you what, in our world today we need a word that's being preached with power whether it's coming from folks that are testifying on the streets or from the pulpit. And signs need to be following and confirmed from the word of God. We need it desperately and that's why it's so important. When I read this verse... It tells me what was happening then is still happening today. And it was from the work of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And it tells me that the Holy Spirit was then and still is today the initiator. The Holy Spirit was the initiator. The Bible doesn't say that they they jumped up and they grabbed it. The Bible doesn't say that they reached out and, and took a hold of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says The Holy Ghost fell on them. Fell on them. Now, when I look at that word fall or fell, I I like the definitions, the different meanings you get. To fall upon, to to rush and press upon, to come suddenly upon, to come forcibly, to, to seize or take possession. One definition even says to strike or hit that word fell, that word fall. So in other words, the Holy Ghost came in this passage and on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 19 and all these other stories in Acts chapter 4 that, that we read about in an undeniable, indisputable manner. It was tangible, it was heavy, and it was a manifestation of God. In Acts 2, we know that they were visibly and physically affected. First of all, it says, you know, there's tongues of fire. It says they spoke in tongues, but it says they were drunk. They were under the influence. They felt it, and anyone present that was watching them, they saw the manifestation from the Holy Spirit of God upon them. You know what? we're drunk and under the influence on a lot of things that this world has to offer us. If we're to be drunk and under the influence of anything, it ought to be the Holy Ghost. It ought to be the power and the fire of God that we are under the influence of. We get up out of bed in the morning and I get under the influence of my coffee and my bacon and my my sausage and my eggs over easy. I get under that influence pretty much every single day of the week. Ain't that right, Holly? I get under that influence. I need to be sure before I walk out the door of my house and going out into a lost and dying world that I'm and under the influence of the Holy Spirit and power and authority of God. And that's a mandate for us as a church. I read the passage and I love it that we sang those songs this morning about the fire. I can even see the reflection right now, the fire, just right there on the back wall of the church. It's stirring me up a little bit there this morning. It, it, I just see the fire flame up there burning, like it's going up through the rooftop. That seems to be like maybe some uh, prophetic kind of thing that we should grab a hold this morning. If you ain't seen it, you ought to turn around and see that fire right there that's burning on that back wall, like it's going up through the rooftop of the church. Hallelujah prophetically, I think that the whole town ought to see it. They ought to be able to see it over in Joplin. They ought to be able to see it over in Carthage and, uh, and Webb City and, and the surrounding places. See that fire right there coming out of the top of the building. Glory to God. Woo! As I went through the Bible, I, I started looking for other places where God's power fell, and I I went into the Old Testament, and I saw that scripture in 1 Chronicles 21-26, where David built that altar to the Lord, and he's sacrificing burnt offerings, peace offerings, and David began to pray, and it says that the Lord answered him by sending fire from heaven, and it burned up the offering on the altar. Now, we know that in that passage, that's when he had paid full price for that that threshing floor, and he said, you're not going to give me anything for free that, that I believe There's a cost required. That's that passage. But fire came down. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 1, Solomon had finished praying, and the Bible says fire flashed down from heaven and burnt up the burnt offering and sacrifices, and it said the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. It says the priests could not even enter. It says the Israelites went face down on the ground due to the fire and the presence of God. Undeniable, indisputable, irrefutable, visible, tangible manifestations of the power and the presence of God. And then the story we all know in 1 Kings. I love the story in 1 Kings chapter 18 where Elijah squares off with with Ahab and the prophets of Baal on, on Mount Carmel. We know the story where they make this agreement, that they would build an altar, they would offer a sacrifice, but but no fire would be put under it. And that they would call out to their respective god or gods and wait for them to answer by fire. And the one that answered by fire would be the true God. And the story goes that the false prophets began to to build their altar, and they laid sacrifice, and they called out to Baal, the Bible says, from morning till noon. And I like this, Elisha begins to mock them. To mock them. There's no power there. You know, if we're Holy Ghost filled and due with power and authority, I think it's time that, you know, the devil's real, and, 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 and he can hurt, but, but we've got power and authority, and it's time to stand up to some things we've been backing down. Time to put our foot on it, foot on it and get victory on it. And that's what Elisha, he, he begins to do. He starts to mock them. And they get violent, the Bible says, and they go into a frenzy and they're jumping around the altar. They're cutting themselves with knives and thor, swords and the blood's are gushing out of them. And it says they continued from noon until the evening sacrifice. And then Elisha took over. Elisha took over and he repaired the altar that was broken down. We, we need to repair our altars. One of the things we did in those revival services, and those of you that have, have attended here or in other places have heard me say that at the altar, we need to dig a well. You need to dig a well at the altar. Why would I dig a well? Well, that's where the water comes from. I'm a farm boy. And out on the farm, we made sure we dug deep wells because we had to water them cows when the ponds dried up. And every Christian should have a special place, whether it is here, this is your mark, this is your place where you go, or whether it's that seat, and you dig an altar. Because there's going to be times in your life, kind of like the ATM machine, you had to make a deposit to be able to make a withdrawal. And there's times in your life when you're coming to church, and you need to make a withdrawal. And there better be something in the well to withdraw from, your previous praise. your, your pre- Another thing that I always used to like to teach is you better build a table. That altar is a table, and it better be full of whatever you need to feast on from God. Build an altar with water and with food from the Holy Ghost of God and make sure it's always there for you. He rebuilt an altar that was broken down. That's what it means to me. Church, rebuild your altar. It says then he he dug a trench so that it could hold that water that was going to be poured on it. When I was a farm boy, we always had to clean up our ditches. The ditches would fill up with everybody's beer cans and soda cans and junk from uh, materials from who knows where. And we had to take the front end load of the tractor and get it cleaned out because we wanted that water to flow freely through the ditch. We did not want it to flood our property. And some of us are clogged up a little bit. And we need to dig some things out of the closet. We need to get free so the Holy Ghost of God can flow through us easily. And that's what Elisha, he was doing. He was preparing up there, cleaning out the ditch so the Spirit of the Holy Ghost could come. He puts the wood in order. puts the sacrifice there on the wood. And they begin to pour water on there three times. Three times. I like it. We need to be soaked in the Holy Ghost of God. I like it. I want to be soaked. I want to be under the influence. And then he prayed. In verse 36 and 37 of 1 Kings chapter 18, he prays. And it says, at the usual time for offering the evening sacrifice, Elisha Elisha walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, prove to us today that you are the God in Israel, and I am your servant. Prove that I have done all that, of this at your command. Oh, Lord, answer me. It's a pretty simple prayer, folks. Answer me. So these people will know that you are Lord, you are God, and that you have brought them back to yourself. And the Bible says what? The Bible says the, the, the fire of the Lord fell. And it consumed the burnt offering and the woods and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their face and they began to cry out, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is God. It's a, it's a powerful story. It's a story that needs to be burnt in our, in our spirit. Why? Because what happened on that mountain was powerful. It was undeniable. It turned a nation back to God our nation needs to be turned back to God and where we need to start is in our church and where we need to start is in our community they experienced a visible tangible manifestation of the power of God let me just make it easy for you they had a God encounter we need God encounters in our personal life. We need God encounters in the church. We need to quit playing church. Boy, I look good in church today. I dressed right. I praised right. I shouted right. I went up front when pastor said to go up front. I waved my hands. I put in a check. Nobody's clapping now. I got my check mark. I went home. I looked good in church. I don't need to look good in church. I need a God encounter. I need a change from God. The fire fell. The power of God fell. The presence fell on that mountain, on the altar, on the sacrifice, in a heavy, tangible, undeniable, indisputable, life-changing way. Our world needs it so bad. So begin to sum up what I've shared with you so far. Fire fell on David's altar. Fire fell on Solomon's offering. Fire fell on Mount Carmel. Fire fell on the day of Pentecost. Fire fell at the house of Cornelius. And in every case, Old Testament, New Testament, there's more stories than that. It was like for those that experienced it. We need it. Pentecost, the event, so important. Pentecost, the experience that has changed lives, that has birthed a church, that has birthed evangelism, that has birthed missions, that has called people to make great sacrifices for, for, to advance the ministry of God. And it is still happening in the world today. The event and the experience. Now, I didn't want to take for granted that everybody was in here filled with the Holy Spirit, because when I read my statistics, at least I, I, I'm ordained with the Assemblies of God, and we like to boast about a lot of things when it comes to the Spirit. But I think you'll find in most Assembly of God congregations that they say between 25 and 33 percent will be filled with the Holy Spirit, with evidence of speaking in tongues. It. We spend most of our time in revival services we churches we get to go preach at praying for people to receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to go there. I'm just going to say we need it. Why do I need the Holy Ghost? Why, why, why do I need the, the Holy Ghost in fire? Well, first of all, your testimony has power. There's power in your testimony. And you need to be able to share your testimony with people. We need to be bold and be a witness and spread. That's that's why we get baptized with the Holy Ghost, so that we would have the power to stand up to somebody and say, well, let me tell you what it did for me. The boldness to share your story, the boldness to, to share what Jesus has done for you. You don't have to be a Bible preacher. Just share your story. Why do you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost? Because it gives you a supernatural understanding of, of God's mysteries. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2 says, For he speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. It also goes in and says, However, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. I love that. But well, I don't know what to pray. I just pray in the Holy Ghost. I, I'm talking directly to God. Mysteries from God's coming out. He's, he, he, I may be praying for someone clean across the country. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But God's work is happening through me. I believe that. And He wants to do it through you. It grants us access to other gifts of the Spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit's the doorway to the other nine gifts of the Spirit. It unlocks that ability, that, that word of wisdom, the knowledge, the prophecy, the, the discerning of spirits. Don't be surprised when, when you're praying in tongues, when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, that all of a sudden you get some supernatural insight about something. It it leads you to pray for somebody. Why why am I praying for them? Well, it's the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden you get this clarity of how to pray about somebody's life, situations, even pray for somebody in a totally different region or or area, a missionary or, or another state. You're breaking strongholds, powers, and influences off of them. They're being healed. There was a lady in Rifle, Colorado one time. I was on a bank project. That's my background is banking. And I work for Jack Henry today. I've been with him 15 years here in just a few short weeks. And I was in Rifle, Colorado, and I was ministering to the lady in the bank. She was a Seventh-day Adventist. I don't have all the time for the details. I just know that we went to McDonald's for lunch one day. I shared the Lord with her. They're still personal friends with us today. They still come see us once a year, and visit with us. They used to support the church that we pastored, and she got really saved and wanted the Holy Ghost. And I began to send her material, and she would cry and say, so "I went to the Four Square Women's Conference and I didn't get the Holy Ghost." I'd say, "Keep trying." One day she called me so excited. I went to lunch with another lady at the bank, and we've been praying to get the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I got back in the car to the go of the bank and all of a sudden I'm driving down the road and out it comes in the car. I had to get off on the shoulder and continue to receive the the infilling of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. She's all the way over there in Rifle, Colorado and I'm praying, give her the Holy Ghost. And it came on her. You get the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it opens up new things. In the Bible when you read it in a, in a living way. I, I call it, it's like shining the flashlight on the word. You've seen what, what you've never seen, things that are confusing, things that you don't understand. You're able to apply it. it. You know, I already said you're speaking directly to God. You're praying in agreement. You know how to pray in agreement. It empowers you to engage in, in spiritual warfare. We need that today. We need to be able to engage in spiritual warfare. You know, so many times when we pray, we're we're in combat, and all of a sudden we begin to agree with the size of the attack and we begin to focus on the problem. So instead of being the commander that I talked about just a little bit ago, we're focusing on the total wrong thing. He's interceding for us. Around the throne, 24-7, groanings too deep for words, Romans chapter 8 tells us. And, And he's He's dispensing the will of God into our lives. Praying in tongues empowers us to be able to do that. It builds up the spirit. I heard a guy say one time, he says, you know, my, my stature is skinny and I'm weak. But he said, in the spirit, I look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm a powerhouse. And I like that. We need to build up our spirit man." 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 4 says he speaks in tongues. He who speaks in tongues is strengthening himself. Strengthening himself. It's it's like a battery charger. It's like your iPhone charger. Boom, it brings that thing back to life. And Lord knows we better not have that out of our hand very long, huh? And then it fills us with love. The love of God, it, it enables us to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. That's why we need to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, filled with the Spirit of God? Let me show you my testimony. I I love sharing the testimony when I got baptized with with the Holy Ghost. I I had my day. I I had my Pentecost. Several years, years back, Holly and I had been married a couple years. Kids born, and we weren't going to church. I wasn't raised in Uh, I wasn't raised like that. Holly, she started going to church. I I stayed home with the two baby boys. I didn't need that. She went, rededicated her life. She got baptized. And then I remember the night she came home and said, I got filled with tongues. What? I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I started going to church to protect her. I, I can't get into all the details. I'll be quick, but I went to church to protect her. sat on the back row and protected her. Began hearing the word, Pastor Dean Meyer's great influence on my life. And playing softball and doing, doing a lot of things church people do, you know, but I really wasn't into what was going on. Given the appearance of being alive, but on the inside dead. Brother Blatchley at the time, he's dead. He's went on to be with the Lord. Brother Blatchley was a pastor in Burwell, Nebraska, and an evangelist for the Assemblies of God. And he came down to do a revival. They did revival all week long, and I gladly, voluntarily stayed home with the two boys. wasn't going to get involved in what was going on. Didn't want to. And on Friday, he came to the bank. worked at the bank in Diamond, Missouri, and he came in said, "I need to see Chris Hoyer." And he came back there into my office. Scowly guy with his face, and he looked at me over the top of his glasses said, you need to come to this revival. You are an influence in this community, to your church. And spit out all this stuff real quick. And I mean, my ears were blown back. I would have gladly gave him a loan for him to leave. And he left. Didn't tell me nothing about him. Didn't say nothing really nice. He said that, and he left. And I remember getting up, closing the door to my office, and sitting down, and I knew I was supposed to go. That night I went, Pastor Bratchley preached about David dancing in the streets when they brought the Ark of the Covenant of God back. How he took six steps, number of men, he took seven steps, off with that linen ephod, and boom, he began to dance. And how Micah was up there despising everything that was going on, who, by the way, remained barren her entire life. And his message was entitled, Get Out in the Streets. That'll preach. I, I've never put that together, but that, that's a good one. Get out in the streets. Boy, those 60, 80 people went up front. They're falling out of the power. Things are happening. And my little boy, Layton, he was sick and he had a fever. And I just sat there in that back pew. He made the altar call, and he said, You know who you are, come. And my heart was on the floor. I didn't go. Well, he knew what he was doing. Got done praying for all them folks. I'm waiting for Holly. Get back here. All of a sudden, he says, hey, Chris, come here. So I go up front, and we're going to pray for your son. So I'm thinking, that's okay. I'm clutching tight. <laughs> tight. And he's praying for that fever to go away. And the next thing I know, before I could even react, boom, that baby's gone. It's in Holly's hands, and he's looking at me. Well, he's looking at me. He was a short guy, and he said, "Why didn't you come?" And the Lord said to come, and tears began to flow. And I looked at him and I said, "You can pray for me, but don't you touch me, and don't you push me." I did. Holly will tell you I did, and it was good because I needed to know it's real. I just heard a few words come out of his mouth, and then I was transported into the heavenlies, I guess. Received the baptism of the Holy Ghost in a little shotgun-style church that probably had this much room around the edge of the building in the pews, and they said, I was swinging my arms, running around that church, shouting and praising, and when I come back and came back to myself, he grabs me and he brings me over there, and he says, you're called to preach. Blah, 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 blah. I remember going home and saying, Man, this Holy Ghost thing's really awesome, babe. This is really awesome, babe. Now, he sure missed that preaching part because I would never, ever, 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 ever do something like that. It changed my life. It left an impression on me. It marked me. It made me who I am today. The baptism of the Holy Ghost, developed me, equipped me, that pastor mentored me. I had my day, and I've continued to have it. And my question for you today is, if you're in here today playing church, if you're in here today dressed up in a Pentecostal outfit, has the power of God fell on you? Have you been under the influence? Has the fire of God got on the inside of you in an undeniable way? If not, you need it. If not, God wants it to happen in your life. And for others, you need to remember what God has done in your life. Remember the times around the altars of sacrifice and, and surrender. Remember when God showed Himself mighty, where, where He changed you and you left different, where the empowerment and the boldness came. We need that in the church again. Open up those altars and spend more time at the altar than you do in worship and preaching the Word and let God move and let Him move in waves. There's folks in this building that saw services that we had where we were running around this church building. It was fun. And we would move in waves and I'd say, God's not done yet. God's not done yet. Giving the opportunity to move and worship and reading your Bible and praise and worship. The visions, the direction, the comfort and the peace that come through the power of the Holy Spirit and tearing around the altars, the emotional, spiritual healing that God brings, the joy that's being released, the oil of gladness that He pours out on us, the long, dry season coming to an end, and Him saying that that, that stronghold is broken, the, re, the the years that the locusts have, have eaten away, you've been restored, and all of those types, the deliverance, the freedom! The freedom! or when a young boy, a young girl answers the call of God to go into ministry. And God says, that old chapter's over. I'm putting a period at the end of that, and we're going to start a new one. When God says, put your foot on it. Put your foot on it. See, folks, someone needs to open up Joshua chapter 10 today when you get home, and you need to read Joshua chapter 10. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but there's something there going on in your life, And it says there were five kings in a cave and Joshua brought them out. And and those kings, each one, put their foot on the neck and ground down into that king and got a feeling of victory. There's going to be folks today that go home and you're going to get free and come back to church and testify. I read Joshua chapter 10 and I put a foot on an issue that I've been battling for, for months, weeks, years of my life and I got free because I put my foot on it. That's what happens around altar services like that. I'm thankful For the godly influence. I really want to preach to somebody in this area today. People that's been around Pentecost for a long time. We need your influence. We need your mentorship. We need your praise. We need your prayer. We need you displaying the power of God. So that a younger generation knows that it's real. And they pursue it. We was at that little Sibley God church in Diamond. And man, once I got into this, I sat right behind Sister Tinsley. She was an old lady. She traveled with us. She'd go with us, and we'd go preach. And I'd sit behind her, because I knew on Sunday night in our little church there wasn't going to be no preaching. Revival had broke out in our church. If I, if I had time, I'd tell you all the pastors that are in ministry today the same time we were there. Revival broke out in our little church, and on Sunday night, we just all stood and waited. And the pastor knew it. His wife knew it. It was like, okay, it's going to come when? And Sister Tinsley, all of a sudden, here would come the tongues. And all of a sudden, Brother Joe Plummer, Sounded like an Indian, like he's speaking some Indian language. And all of a sudden, here would come the interpretation. And the next thing you know, Doc Osteen would be up there dancing under the power of the Holy Ghost. And before long, there would just be people. They would just fall back in their... I mean, God just began to... And I was just like, I don't know what it is, but I want it, I want it, I want it. We need the influence. And we would go up around the altars and I'd go to the altars and I'd kneel down and I'd just be waiting for someone to come pray. And Sister Tinsley would put her hands on me and like a shockwave of electricity, she'd begin to pray. Or Brother Plummer began to pray and just releasing the power of God. We need your influence. We need that back in the church today. So from this tall all the way up, sees it and desires it and pursues it. These people were hungry and passionate for the things of God. They had a crazy faith. We need to have a crazy faith. When we were down there at Leesville, Pastor Joshua is so blessed. The secretary of the church. They built the church in 1960. They're in their third building. Got a school K through eight. They they've got a daycare. And I got to visit with her. And she said, I've been the secretary of this church since 1961. On the last night of the revival, all kinds of stuff was going on. And the next thing I know, I seen her walking down. It had a big sanctuary. And it came walking down. And I looked over. And she walked over to me. She said, "Will you pray for me. And I remember saying to her, on one condition, when I'm done, you'll pray for me. And she said, okay. And I prayed for her. And I knew right away when I began to pray for her. You can just tell. They're different. And I couldn't wait. When she got to praying for me, this old body came alive. And I mean, she was, she was, and, I, and I, I couldn't take it. I mean, it was just coming through me. It had been months, maybe years since I'd had somebody with that kind of power pray for me. And when I went away, I was shouting out, God's not done. It was the third wave that night. The third wave. And people come back down and we started praying again. Don't tell me influence is not important. We need you old-timers to rise up. Walk in the power of God. Walk in the power of God. Let it be displayed. And that's what I want to share before I close. I don't know how long i got, but I'm getting ready to close. That's what concerns me about this day. Is that people my age, I'm 48 years old. Most of the people I've hung out they've hung out with me. They have never experienced what I've experienced. They don't even understand when I talk to them about preaching and church services and altar times and revivals. My kids, they saw it. They're married now. We've got five grandkids. They saw it. But the churches they go to, they're not experiencing it. I want my grandkids to experience the power, the presence of God. They've not had a God encounter. They've not had it. They've never experienced it. They don't know these stories that we talk about. They know it in theory. They know it religiously. They know it mentally. They know it intellectually. And they will tell you they know about God. But they've never had a Jericho march and watched the walls of victory come down in their life. They've never seen church people just rise up and, and start marching around the church while the preacher's preaching and God starts coming down on them and it has to stop. They've never seen someone just begin running laps across the church and God moving on them and looking and going, my God, something's happening. And that's what we need back in the house of God again. I live in Branson. Branson. I don't need another Branson show. I need a demonstration of the power of God. I don't need to reach into my pocket and pull out my ticket and drop it in and say, bring it to me, worship team and pastor. They need an encounter. Oh, They need a Bethel. They don't need a blessing. They don't need a touch. They need a change. Don't give me a blessing, Pastor Josh. Don't give me a touch. Give me a change. Give me a word. Pray something. Deliver fire. Deliver it. Get it deep down on your boat. If you haven't had a burning bush experience, make this your bush and get down here and press through. We need it so bad. Man, Pastor Josh, that guy you brought in here today, he's crazy. Yes, I am. <laughs> when it comes, oh man, I'm crazy, they've not experienced it. And they need to experience it. and we shouldn't be ashamed of it, and we shouldn't apologize for it. We should brag about the goodness of God and the power of the Holy Ghost that He's brought into our lives.